All right, we have been in a series called New Growth. Uh, we, came, we have come through a difficult winter as a church, and we are looking for the new growth that comes with spring. We are looking for the new growth that comes with spring. So today we're going to be in the gospel according to John. So if you have your scriptures, you can start pulling that up. We'll be in John 15, um, where Jesus uses this extended metaphor about the vine. How do we produce good fruit that makes great wine? So that's, that's uh, the metaphor we'll be in. But Jesus had a way of simultaneously thinning out the crowds around him while also holding out invitation to any who would respond to him at any time. There's a point in his ministry in John 6 towards the end where he's giving hard teachings, not mincing words at all. Many, many people turn away and then he turns to his his 12 disciples and he says, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter says, Jesus, Lord, where are we gonna go? You have the words of eternal life and we've believed, we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And little did Peter or the 12 know just how much their allegiance to Christ would be tested in the weeks and months and years and generations ahead, really. But where else would we go but Christ to find life? At the end, towards the end of John, in John 20, verses 30 to 31, Uh, John tells us that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, many of them that aren't even written in this book. But these signs and these sayings, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the, the miracles of Christ, the teachings of Christ, they're not just about doing good works and having the ethics of Christ. They're actually about finding life itself in Jesus Christ. So this morning we're looking at the last of seven I am statements that Jesus made throughout the gospel of John. So Jesus spoke in metaphors a lot. So he taught that he, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And today we hear Jesus say, I am the true vine. John 15, verse 1. So this this, uh, passage is in the middle of Jesus' farewell discourse to his closest disciples. So John 14 to 17 is this extended teaching that Christ gave uh, to his 12 close disciples. And one of them left uh, during this discourse, actually, or right before it. And so the picture I have of Jesus is, is he's there in Jerusalem, and this is shortly before he is betrayed, arrested, and goes to the cross, you know, to pay for the penalty of our sin. And he's walking around with his disciples, uh, maybe taking them on this, this sort of journey through Jerusalem to these, these key spots. Now we know at the, in the time of Jesus, there was a great golden vine 
that hung over the entrance to the Jerusalem temple. So uh, the, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, uh, but Josephus lets us know, this is Josephus writing, so he's a Jewish historian, uh, one of the key historians of the time, and he says the gate opening into the building in reference to the, the temple, as I said, as Josephus said, completely overlaid with gold, as was the wall around it. It had moreover above it those golden vines from which depended grape clusters as tall as a man. So imagine these 12 disciples, 11 disciples at some point when Judas departs, following Jesus and listening to what would become his last discourse, his last teaching to them, and hanging over the entrance uh, to the temple, these elaborate clusters of grapes hanging off of vines. So this is the backdrop. The great golden vine potentially glinting in the light of the Passover moon. As people are excited to see what is Jesus going to do next? What will Jesus say next? He's already thinned out the crowds. He's got his 11 there. Now, if you have a little bit of Old Testament background, you understand that Throughout the Old Testament, actually, Israel was called the vine or a vine of God. And I've, I've chosen one little selection here. And if you want to study more, there's several references where Israel actually was the vine through whom God would bless the nations. A, uh, the Abrahamic promise, you know, whoever's a blessing to you, I will bless. And his purpose for Israel the vine out of, out of, that he pulled out of Egypt was that they would bless and nourish the whole world. That's, that's what he does when he calls you, when he chooses you. It's not just for you to receive blessing, it's that you would be a blessing to others. So in Jeremiah 6, 9, it says, Thus the, says the Lord of hosts, they shall glean thoroughly as a vine the remnant of Israel. Like a grape gatherer, pass your hand again over its branches, searching for the fruit that should be born to bless the world. And you might have some of Jesus' other teachings in the back of your mind when he's going to the temple and he's looking at fig trees and he's looking for fruit and he's judging the leaders of Israel at the time because he doesn't find the fruit that they should have been bearing. So Israel was the vine through which God desired to bless the whole world, yet Israel failed over and over and over again. So as you think about your life, and, and maybe there's times when you fail to be the blessing, the conduit of blessing or mercy or grace that you know God is calling you to, it's okay, because we're in good company. The people of God often fail over and over again to live up to God's design and purpose for us. So all of this is in the background of the these, uh, these Jewish men, as they listen to Jesus, they see the temple, this, this grand golden vine hanging overhead, and here comes Jesus with these words. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this morning, we're going to talk about the, the pruning process, which is painful and persistent, but productive, necessary to bear fruit. We're going to talk about abide, not strive, but abide. And the fact that the focus is actually on the fruit. All of this is so that fruit would be born. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks again for the morning. Thank you for this little pocket of uh, faith community we have here at Tallgrass Church. Um, I pray that our hearts would be soft to receive your word. God, I know that, that uh, we've been through pruning personally, but also as a community, and it is painful. And yet Christ calls us to abide in him and not strive to make something happen, but to abide. And that in, in due season, you will cause growth. Fruit will be born. I pray that each, each person here would have that one next right step of faith uh, to take this morning. We love you. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. So first, pruning. Pruning is painful, and it's not one and done, it's persistent, it's seasonal. Every spring and fall, they would prune uh, the vineyard, but yet it's so productive, it's necessary. So Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What do we make of this? That's, that sounds kind of threatening, that he takes away a branch if it's not bearing fruit. That might cause us to think, I haven't seen much fruit in my life. Is he going to take me away? Um, well, we, we know that just shortly before this, Judas Iscariot um, went his own way. We read in John 13, 11, um, that Jesus knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So in this passage, uh, Jesus says, you already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And he says, yet Judas is not clean. So this could be in reference to Judas Iscariot and those who never have genuine faith in Christ, that, that God, part of the pruning process, part of the cleaning up of the vineyard to bear fruit is that he takes those away that are not truly connected to the vine. Um, in John 15, 6, a little bit later, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And we learn about Judas, you know, that said of him that it'd be better for him if he were not even born, because he never had genuine faith in Christ. He had opportunity to repent and respond, and he did not. And his demise was, was bad. So it, this taking away could refer to those who are not truly connected to the vine. Or it could be in reference to um, another way to translate that very same phrase could be he lifts up. 
So it could be a picture of the vine dresser seeing that uh, the branch isn't bearing fruit. It needs to be connected more and seeing the sun. Um, so that, that, that word right there takes up, it's the same, the same word as in take my yoke upon you. So you don't take away a yoke upon you, you take up a yoke upon you. So this could be a reference to the vine dresser taking a branch that is drooping and not getting enough light, not getting enough nutrients, and lifting it up so that it, it receives what it needs to, to then be able to bear fruit. Um, I'm not sure which it is. I'm not sure which it is. Um, but the metaphor keeps pulling us to connect to Christ, abide in Christ. Uh, Peter, at one point, he surely had these words ringing in his ears when he denied Christ those three times. And as he saw Judas in his life and his, his failure to repent, but yet Peter was able to turn back again and abide in Christ, connect to Christ, and his life bore great fruit. So if anyone's sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, what if I'm not abiding in the vine? You're just one step away from repentance and turning back again and connecting in the vine and abiding and bearing fruit. The passage goes on, every branch that does bear fruit, that's beginning to show fruit and bear fruit, he prunes. Now think about pruning. Um, it's, a, it's a painful process. So the, the branch, um, it, it has at the end, it's, it's, it's ready to bear this fruit, but it has these little, what are they called, suckers coming off of them? Matthias is an expert on trees, right? You were walking me through this. And they're, they're going to start detracting from the nutrients getting to where the fruit is. And so you clip those away. You, you cut those away. I was talking with Maddox about this passage. And I said, hey, uh, do you know anything about vines and pruning those vines? I said, what, what would it feel like to be pruned, Maddox? He's like, it'd be like getting your arm cut off. I was like, it might feel that way. Although the, the analogy doesn't work for humans. Because if you cut your arm off, it doesn't actually grow and bear fruit. But when it comes to, to vines, that's exactly the analogy. You cut things away that are sapping energy and, and life from the whole goal of the plant, which is fruit bearing. I was, remind, I was remembering how it takes a, a vineyard about three years to start bearing, uh, producing grapes. And then over time, over years, that, that those grapes mature and actually the wine it produces gets better over time. I was looking on, uh, actually it was homedepot.com about the, the pruning process. And so this is if you search how to grow grapes at homedepot.com. It says if you're wondering how fast grapevines grow, well the woody vines and the lush leaves can grow very quickly. But if you mean how fast do grapevines produce grapes, the answer is it can take up to three years to bear fruit. And pruning has a lot to do with that production. And I was thinking even about our own church and what we've gone through, this pruning over these last three years. And could it be that we're on the cusp of beginning to bear the fruit? That's the reason for which we even planted this church. Uh, so in Home Depot, it goes on. It says, for best results, Prune away all the sprouts coming out of the ground around your grapevines in the first year. Now, that's not in reference to our sprouts ministry, okay? Don't mix, don't mix that up. 
We don't prune away our sprouts that were born in the first year. But the analogy continues, leave only the strongest sprouts and let four of those develop into the plant's main canes and use loppers for canes over half an inch in diameter. So if you imagine your life and the, the vine dresser, the father coming in and using loppers to, to pair away that which is sapping your energy from con- being connected to the vine. Um, and so it keeps going on and it says, oh, then the second year, start training the canes as they grow so they attach in two parallel lines along a fence or a trellis. Very similar to how uh, they, they did um, viticulture back then. That fall, prune away everything except the main trunk. Leave about one-third of each plant. So this pruning process often feels like regression or like you're taking a step back. But if we trust the Father's hands, the vine dresser's hands, he knows what he's doing to produce the fruit that he desires. So a question that we could all consider, you know, what is hindering my spiritual fruitfulness that the vine dresser may be trying to prune away from my life even today? And it may be something very good It may look promising, but yet the Father is saying, that is not my best. So what good thing may be sapping life that needs to be trimmed out? So yeah, Tallgrass Church has been undergoing a pruning. I believe that at at a a church-wide level, this has been a hard year. He's been thinning in a way. And I wonder, what is the vine dresser up to with our faith community? I know individuals within our church have been facing quite a pruning process. And it feels slow. It doesn't feel like we're getting exactly where we want to be individually or as a church. And yet, will we trust the vine dresser with his pruning process, as painful as it might be, as persistent as it might be? I often think in my life, Man, I wish I, I, I thought I had arrived. I thought I had already grown past that issue. But yet pruning comes every, every other season, every spring, every fall for the life of the branch. And the father, he disciplines and he prunes those whom he loves, his sons and daughters. We learned about uh, last week how we're, we're sons and daughters of the king. And if he loves us, he will prune us because he doesn't want to leave us as we are. Hebrews 12, 11, we've, I've found myself thinking of this passage a lot recently. For the moment, all discipline, all pruning seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So trust the Father as the vine dresser who is pruning you as a branch to bear fruit. Next, we're called to abide, not strive. So Jesus is trying to get this through to his disciples. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. You cannot bear fruit by yourself unless you're abiding in the vine. Abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. 
Have you ever watched a plant bear fruit? Have you seen it just strain? Like if you think, so think about the fruit of the spirit that you want to to cultivate and have be born in your life. You can't just tense up and try really, really hard to make the fruit be born. You can't do that. You just rest and receive. And over time, the Father will cause the growth to occur. In Psalm 46.10, passage, if you haven't memorized the first part of that, it's easy. Be still and know that I am God. Or in the, the NASB, cease striving. Quit striving. Quit trying to make things happen and just know that he is God. Do we know how to just be still and be present with Christ? Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the only source of life. And the key to spiritual growth is to abide in the vine. So what is abiding? Is it making sure we have all our spiritual discipline boxes checked? Uh, That's often how I approach it, like, As long as I'm caught up on my Bible reading plan and I'm incorporating some fasting and keeping up with the prayer and all of these things, those are good things. They need to happen. But that is not what abiding in Christ is. Abiding, remaining in Christ, connecting with Christ, drawing your life support from Christ, presence with Christ, enjoying the love of Christ, just being And the book that we're going to cover, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, uh, chapter three, one of the first chapters of all the points that we're covering is be before you do. Be a child of God. Just be present with Christ. Do we even know what it's like to be relationally present rather than task-driven? Last Sunday, I had this this moment uh, actually with couple of the kids that are in our church. Uh, I Man, Sunday mornings, uh, we set up, we do all these things. I've been singing and preaching, and we're, we're, we're desiring new growth and to help people get right, plugged into these right spots. But I, I've been in task mode most Sunday mornings. It's been hard for me to just be and to relax and to be present. But there was this moment where I was walking by uh, Jenny, actually, and Elsie, their daughter, grabbed my hand and pulled me and said, you're teaching my class today. And my instinct was to just say, I got to go. It's almost 10. I got to go sing. And that's what was going on in my mind. But I thought, I have got to be present in this moment for my own soul and probably maybe even for Elsie's. And I don't, I don't know. There's no way for her to realize how God was using her to teach me a lesson in that moment. So she grabs my hand and starts pulling me. And first of all, I was, I was impressed by her courage to just grab my hand and say, you're teaching my class today. And when we got out to the lobby, there's Petey, uh, her younger brother. He reaches his hand up and says, can I hold your hand? And my heart was just melting. And in, internally, I'm like, I have to do this, 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 and this. But can I be present in this moment? And which thing is going to bear fruit long-term in my life and the life of Elsie and Petey. 
is to make sure we get started on time and I checked all my boxes, which make sure I say hi to all the right people and do all the things? Or is it just to be present in that moment? I think that gets a little bit at what abide is, abide in Christ. Relational presence, um, maybe attunement to Christ so that you can hear from him, that you can receive from him, you can be nourished by him. That's the pathway to bear fruit. Think about the disciples Um, their worlds were about to be rocked. So a lot of times we preach this passage, abide in Christ, and we we put that little phrase up uh, somewhere on our wall, you know, abide in the vine, and it's, it's really devotional, it's really contemplative, and it should be. But yet this is going to a group of men who were, whose lives were about to be rocked. The very one who said these words to them was gonna be crucified on a cross, And yet, in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of all their fear, even for their lives, would they identify with this carpenter who hung on a cross, died, and then rose again? The word remains the same, abide in Christ, relationally present to Christ. Jesus puts more words to it. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So the relationship Christ has with the Father, his relational presence with the Father is what he offers to us. He says, just remain in my love. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. No matter what kind of tasks, um, to-do lists you have, no matter what kind of chaos you're facing, joy is found in abiding in the vine. Andrew Murray, a uh, uh, pretty old school author, um, he writes this, the branch is a perfect likeness of the vine. The only difference is the one is great and strong, the source of strength, the other is little and feeble, and actually would just wither away, not if it wasn't connected. Ever needing and ever receiving strength, even so is the believer, and is to be the perfect likeness of Christ. What a life would come to us if we only consented to be branches. Dear child of God, learn the lesson. Just give in to that reality. I am but a branch. If I'm not connected for Christ, I am nothing, I can accomplish nothing of lasting value. It's all superficial. So a question this morning, when can I plan to be fully present with Jesus? It might mean putting aside your reading plan and just sitting and being with him and listening to him, beginning to cultivate a life of ongoing presence with Christ. So pruning is part of the process to to bear fruit. Abiding in the vine is part of the process. And we also learned that the focus truly is on the fruit. Whoever abides in Christ and he in in us, he it is that bears much fruit. And a a couple verses later, um, he says, by this, my father is glorified, not just in the abiding, but that you would bear much fruit and demonstrate to be my disciples. 
So the life of abiding in Christ, it's about bearing fruit. It is not just to absorb love just for myself. That's what Israel got wrong. They were the chosen people and they wanted to sit and just hoard that chosenness, that blessing to themselves. They were to be a conduit to bear fruit for the world. And that pathway is the one of sacrificial love. And Christ said uh, chapters earlier, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And Christ lives this out perfectly. Even in our passage, John 15, a few verses later, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. And he calls them friends. So the fruit is everything that, is, that comes from abiding in the vine. It's our personal growth, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, these things. As we experience life, as we experience the crushing of life, uh, what should come out of us and exude from us is the fruit of the Spirit. And if that's not happening, we are not abiding. We're not receiving that pruning. But it's also those who would come to know Christ through our work, through our testimony, through our life. Both are true. So question for us is, you know, what is the fruit of my life thus far? And if you feel it's lacking, it's, it's, it's great news today because we can always turn back again to Christ. What do I want the fruit of my life to be? Has anyone uh, been to Liquid Art Winery and just sat there yet? People are hesitant to raise their hands. It's okay, guys. There's something about, uh, so peaceful about drinking the fruit of the vine in the midst of the vineyard. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful space, and you're there enjoying the fruit of the vine right there in the midst of the vineyard. So listen to this, uh, this quote. I don't have it up here. This is Chuck Smith in a a book called Why Grace Changes Everything. He says, have you ever considered the vast difference between works and fruit? Works suggest a factory complete with pressures, deadlines, the constant need to produce. But fruit pictures a peaceful, tranquil garden, a place where we are inclined to stay and drink in the beauty while we enjoy each other's company. It's important to realize that God doesn't come to his factory looking for products. He comes to his garden to enjoy the fruit. The gospel of grace invites us to leave behind the smog and the pressure of a factory life or factory-like life of works and instead bear the fruit that God desires to see in the garden of our lives. So we can trust the Father as the vine dresser, as he prunes, as we abide in his Son, that good things will come, that he will enjoy uh, to, to be with. So we don't know what the future holds for Tallgrass Church through this pruning process, but we do know the non-negotiables. We long to receive the painful pruning of the Father. We long to abide in Christ rather than strive to make something happen. And we long to bear much fruit to the glory of the Father.
wanted to talk a little bit about vision for our church. So uh, Lacey Dunn drew this. This was a couple weeks ago. I think she was listening to the sermon online. And um, I asked her if I could use this and, and uh, tweak it just a little bit because over here she has tall grass with these really, really deep roots, which is what we aspire to be. We want to be a church with deep roots that bears fruit and constantly moving there. And then she pit all other churches over and against that, which is probably not true. So <laughs> all churches are somewhere along uh, this spectrum. But the desire is that our roots would grow deep and that over time we would bear fruit. And one of the quotes that she put there is a, a, we want to be a church moving towards healthy growth, but that will be messy. I was looking back through some of my uh, journals, kind of tracking the, the life of Tallgrass Church, also tracking my own life and the pruning that the Father has been doing. And I thought I had arrived at a certain point, but yet there's this residue. And then I'm reminded that pruning is persistent. Every, every other uh, season, there's a new time of pruning. But I had written this down. This was um, a week and a half or so after we planted Tallgrass Church. I just wrote this down. I, I, the vision of Tallgrass Church. So this is not necessarily the official vision. This is just what I had jotted in my journal the vision of Tallgrass Church is to have roots in every neighborhood in MHK in the surrounding 40-mile radius by 2025 while planting tall grass worldwide. Are we there yet? I don't think so. But we may have roots that go a little bit deeper and further than we realize. I'm not sure. It's hard to see roots and where all they go. Uh, for example, our friend AJ, um, he's, he's back in town just for a couple days and he's moving. And what will come of his life? So we are planting some roots. We may not see all the fruit. But this is vision for, for what we want to have happen through this work of God, Tallgrass Church. The first year... Just getting up and running. You guys remember that? College Heights, meeting in there, all the things. Man, it was, it was a tough year. Second year of our church, felt like we're gaining some traction, getting new leaders, learning some things. We have some fun stories to tell that are always be there in the life of our church. Year three, COVID-19 hits. That was disruptive. They don't have a church planting book on how to how to uh, get through a global pandemic. I, I didn't find it. Um, it's been a year full of joys, but lots of sorrows. It's been a tough, tough year. We've been through a difficult winter, and now we are looking for the new growth of spring. So we want to invite all of you, our church family, to consider a possible new growth opportunity for our church. And this is what we talked about on Wednesday evening. And uh, we shared, we had a great discussion about it. Lots of questions, lots of, you know, concerns, some enthusiasm, um, but something we want to explore, the possibility that we may be better together um, with another church here in town. So 
We've been invited to explore this possibility of, an, of a new kingdom work uh, with Tallgrass Church potentially partnering with The Well. The Well is a church meets just three blocks from us. So you could just, even when you're done, you could go walk by and say hello on your way to the chef. So right there at 4th and Pierre-ish, uh, a couple doors down from the chef, right under Urbanity, where Judy Lemoyne cuts hair. And... Um, There'll be time to explore and ask all the questions about the well, who are they, what's their makeup. Actually, we're going to uh, explore this idea together with them by meeting together with them on May 30th and June 6th. So instead of meeting here on those Sundays, we're going to meet at the well, their space that they've leased, uh, just three blocks away. I'm pointing the right direction, right? Yes. And... Um, yeah, we are not sure. We're in unprecedented times in many ways coming through this global pandemic, and it has been hard. It's been hard for their church as well. Um, but I've, I've had a, a great friendship with the, the pastor of that church, Josh Siders, and, and Maris has had a great friendship developed these last three years with his wife, Sarah Siders. And through the course of our, our regular coffees, Josh and I would have coffee um, regularly at, at Public Hall, and um, as we just got, we were hearing about what each other are going through personally and where our churches are, uh, about six or seven weeks ago, he just casually dropped and just said, hey, if you and your team are ever interested in exploring the possibility of a collaboration, let's chat. And I think both he and I, that whole week, we just couldn't shake the idea. So we, we followed up the next week and started asking the question, what might, could that look like and so here we are, wanting to explore that together. And actually, I would love to stick around uh, when we're done here. And if, if anyone wants to talk further about, about more of that. And we've also recorded that, that um, Zoom meeting. So we have the audio available there because lots of questions. And this is, so I think one of the things we could say is, man, we've been through so much change. We went online only. We're at the park. We're at the Boys and Girls Club. Something will need to help us bring new growth. And so we're exploring all of the above. We've, we've worked pretty hard to have an a, um, experimental mindset. So please join us as we explore this, this possibility and see maybe God would surprise us with something good, something refreshing, something that truly would be better together for the kingdom and for reaching that goal of roots going deep into every neighborhood in our, in our area, continuing to plant tall grass worldwide. So we would invite you. So if this isn't the first time you've heard this, just let that, that initial thing hit and then lean into an invitation to explore together. We wouldn't be this far along if, if there wasn't some sense that possibly God is in this. Who knows what God might do in and through Tallgrass Church and in and through you this spring. So let me pray for us and then we can sing together again. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for your word. And um, it's incredible that, that the words that Christ said to these disciples possibly right there at the temple opening under that golden vine with all of Israel's history in the backdrop, that his words, his call to them, that he himself is the vine and his invitation to abide in him 
and that that's where fruit bearing would come, that those words apply to us, that we can hear from Christ and that we can be relationally connected to him and not just to benefit ourselves, but to be a blessing to the world. I pray that you would give our community soft hearts moving forward as it's, it has been a tough winter and we're excited to experience new growth. We love you so much. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This teaching was recorded at Tallgrass Community Church. Because God first loved us, we exist to love God and love our neighbors. For more resources like this, visit tallgrass.church.